Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. It's uh, so good to be able to come and share with you guys today. And uh, as I was preparing for today, um, I want to start with this quote that I came across from an old Scottish preacher who lived in the 1800s, and I thought it was really apt, and it, it simply says this, the, the cross is the center of the world's history. The incarnation of Christ and the crucifixion of our Lord are the pivot around which all the events of the ages revolve. The cross is the center point of history. And everything we read in scripture right up until this moment is just speaking and shouting about this point. And at this moment, as Jesus hangs on the cross, it changes everything. So shall we pray? God, would you once again open our hearts and our eyes to to see the cross afresh. God, we must never become tired of hearing the message of the cross, of what you did. And although we'll never fully understand it in this life, God, we pray that you would reveal something fresh to us again. God, we invite you to speak and move among us. Amen. I don't know if you've ever thought, but actually it's a little bizarre um, in that the symbol by which we recognize Christianity is in fact a symbol of execution. Um, I mean, the modern day equivalent of wearing something around your neck would be like wearing an electric chair, maybe a noose or a lethal injection. It's a little bit weird. And just for a moment, kind of put yourselves out of used to being in church and hearing all this stuff before, but from an outsider's point of view, it's a little bit strange that one of the biggest days that we celebrate is actually the day that we recognize that our God, the one that we worship, actually died. Isn't that a little bit bizarre? And a death that was unnecessarily uh, brutal, where the one that we worship was abandoned and rejected and put to shame. I mean, he was someone who claimed to be the Messiah, who claimed to be God himself, yet he died a shameful death. He died a criminal's death all alone on the cross. And for some reason, we call this day Good Friday. But you might think, well, there's a famous line from the sermon which says, well, it's Friday now, but Sunday's coming. And that's really true. But today, I want us to embrace the cross. And although, yes, the resurrection is coming, Jesus calls us first to the cross. And there's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. And there's no new life without the cross. So I can draw our attention to that uh, this morning. I want to tell you a story. Um, so I'm... Uh, uh, I have a brother, he's five years older than me, and when we were younger, we looked very much like this. We loved each other so much that we showed our love through fighting. And uh, he was older and stronger than me, and kind of the worst it would ever get was a few knuckles to the head, maybe a few dead arms, until this one day. 
And uh, I remember it, we were kind of wrestling, I had him in a headlock, and all of a sudden he took a step back and then just launched a fist full on in my face. And I, I was only about kind of 10 years old at the time. My nose exploded, there was blood everywhere, and I took it like a man and cried to my mum. I was like, Mum, Tim's hit me in the face and I've no idea why. So like, come and get him. And so me and my mum ganged up on my brother. And my mum came in and she said, Tim, why would you do such a thing? And I stood there going, Yes, Tim, why would you do such a thing? Hoping that might get him more, more trouble. And then the worst thing happened. My brother just stood there and looked and went, I don't know. I just felt like doing it. And for me, I just felt this massive sense of injustice. And you've got no reason, but you hit me anyway. And while that's quite a, a kind of a menial and trivial example, more often than not, when circumstances don't go away or where life throws us a curveball and actually we experience pain, and we experience hurt, one of the first questions we can throw up is, why? Why did that situation have to work itself out like it did? Why did that person have to do that or say that? Why did those test results have to come back the way they did? God, why has this happened to me? And for many people, this kind of question of why is a stumbling point when it comes to faith. God, if you're so good and if you're real, then why does all this bad stuff happen? Why has this happened to me? And to be honest, it's a fair question. And I believe there's a time and there's a place to kind of explore those questions. Um, but I want to suggest, uh, and actually I believe that, I think the question of why isn't a particularly helpful question uh, for us to ask. Because I believe that when you find out why, even if you find out your why, it doesn't actually change what happened, does it? It doesn't change how you feel right now. And I believe that it doesn't actually contribute towards your healing. I mean, if you've ever been in a situation and you've actually gotten a why, you've, someone's hurt you and they've said, oh, I did it because of this reason. Actually, the answer feels quite hollow and it feels quite empty and you're still left with the same feeling of injustice and you're still left in that place of pain. you may have experienced something and it sent you into a bit of a difficult season. And yet one of the most unhelpful things people can do, and I find that they do this in the best intention, is they'll come alongside you and try and give you every reason to comfort you of why this situation may have happened. And they'll come and give you all their best advice about how to make the situation better. Or they'll try and give you all their best reasoning as to why God might have allowed this to happen. And you're sat there thinking, would you just please shut up? This is not what I need right now. And the truth is, what we actually need in those moments is not someone to feed us a load of answers, but is someone who will simply understand. When we say in those moments, actually, I don't need answers. I just someone, I need someone to know how I feel right now. Brenny Brown says this. She, um, she speaks in how situations like this, that empathy has amazing power. And she says this, empathy is communicating that incredible healing message of you are not alone. When I was younger, and not true anymore, I used to be scared of the dark, and I used to be scared of thunder, and for some reason when I was younger, we used to have a lot of lightning storms and there'd be a power cut, so I'm scared of the dark, and I'm scared of thunder and lightning. And I'd be sat there in my bed, terrified, because of course, like any brave eight-year-old, I slept with a light on. And uh, anyway, the power was out, and all I would shout was, Dad! 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 And eventually when he gave up, he would come and he'd sit with me. And he didn't turn the thunder off, he didn't turn the lights back on, yet his presence made everything okay. And he held my hand until I fell to sleep. 
I've got another friend who um, he's in the armed, or he was in the armed forces for a good number of years, and uh, he he actually got a medal for bravery. He rescued people under fire off the battlefield and retrieved uh, three people. He was a medic, and I've always been fascinated by the camaraderie that he has with other service men and women. You might have noticed this yourself if you know someone in the armed forces, even if he doesn't know a person and he finds out they're in the forces, they just have this sort of connection. And so the other week when I was preparing for this, I just said, mate. What is it that causes you to have this kind of connection with other people in the armed forces? And uh, he says, I'll tell you why. And I'm going to read it. I've changed the language slightly. It was a little bit colorful. But um, he says this. It's pretty simple. It's adversity. From day one, you get thrashed together mentally and physically. And you go through some horrendous situations when out on duty. It's a bond created by bad situations. It develops a trust and understanding with the man on your left and right that is unfathomable. You may have noticed when you came in, you had a piece of paper on your seats and a few pens scattered around. What I'd love you to do, we're going to try something. You might have done this before, but um, I simply want you to write on this piece of paper, you are not alone. It's take a minute to do that. Fantastic. When you've done this, I want to ask us to do something. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with doing this, then that's completely fine. Um, but could I invite you to stand if you've ever directly or indirectly been affected by cancer? And all I want you to do Find someone else who stood up in the room, get eye contact, and just simply swap your piece of paper with them. Thank you, guys. You can take a seat when you've done that. Could you stand up if you have ever suffered the loss of someone close to you? And again, look around the room, maybe someone different if it's some, the same person, but just swap your piece of paper with that person. Thank you, guys. And when you've done so, if you could take a seat. If you, could you stand if you have ever been betrayed or lost the trust of someone you once trusted? And again, lock eyes with someone, swap your piece of paper. And then take a seat. And then, just finally, one more. Could I ask you to stand if you've ever been robbed of your joy and struggled to see how things could ever get better? And lock eyes with someone, exchange a piece of paper. 
Amazing. If you could take a seat. The amazing power of empathy communicates the healing message. You are not alone. For me, there's something so powerful that works towards our healing in presence and solidarity. In presence, those times when you're in a tough season and the most healing thing you can experience is simply someone coming alongside you, even if they don't say anything at all. And then you have solidarity, those people who can stand alongside you and say, I know what it feels like, and you're not alone in this. For me, there's something so healing uh, in that. Emma read to us some verses from Isaiah 53, and I want to go over a couple of those. It says this, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. For so many people, God is this person who is far off, who is out there somewhere moving the pieces of a chessboard around and now and again he might offer some distant sympathy yet we're left here alone to kind of suffer with the consequences of whatever life throws at us. And the truth is, even as Christians, in seasons that are difficult when we're broken and we're hurting, God can still somehow feel far off and distant and out there somewhere. But the truth is, and this is what we celebrate today, that God became flesh and blood the incarnation, and he entered into our humanity where he experienced the things that we experienced, to feel the things that we feel, and he lived among us, and he comes close to us. And the amazing thing is, he didn't just come close to us in his life by experiencing the same things, but he also came close to us uh, in his death. Jesus experienced the betrayal of those people who were closest to him. He was abandoned. He was rejected. He was despised and mocked and beaten. He suffered shame and the injustice of dying a criminal's death that he didn't deserve. In that passage we read, it says this, he was familiar with suffering. Isn't that amazing that God knows what it's like to suffer? He doesn't stand distant. He said he was familiar with suffering. But not only that, as Jesus hung there on the cross, yes, he experienced his own people's, people's betrayal and his own pain and suffering. But he also took on himself the weight of everyone's shame, the weight of everyone's suffering and hurt. He took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. He carried your sorrows and my sorrows. And Jesus steps in to your suffering right alongside you. And in that moment as he hung on the cross, he felt all of it. In Mark 15, we read these words. At noon, 
darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama samachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I just want to pause and think about this moment that Jesus, who created everything, who was there at the very beginning, who could, with one word, if you wanted to, fix it all and wipe the slate clean. Instead, he decides to take it all on himself. And in this cry of, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt the weight of all of it, fully embracing and entering into every heartache, every tear, every cry of injustice and brokenness and shame. And it's in these moments, I I really believe, that through the cross, that God is most present. And he says to you, and he says to me, I know how it feels, and you're not alone in this. The cross for me is that amazing symbol of solidarity and presence of the God of the universe who draws close to us, not at a distance, but says, I am with you in this. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's not detached from how you feel, but he is present right in the midst of the worst kind of human suffering. When crucifixion was intended to kind of draw out death for as long as it could be, it was the worst way to die. And yet Jesus fully embraced the worst kind of suffering in order to redeem it. And what I love about this moment on the the cross is that as Jesus is fully entering into my suffering and your suffering and carrying the weight of all of this, he looks out and he sees the people that have driven nails through his hands and spat on him and beaten him and sent him to the cross. And he looks out and he says these words, Father, forgive them. And he turns to the criminal at his side and someone who deserved punishment and deserved this kind of justice. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. And with his last words, he says, It is finished. In the darkest moment, Jesus declares victory. And yes, we celebrate this on Sunday and we celebrate resurrection uh, and the fulfillment of this. But in the darkest depths of human suffering, Jesus still declares victory for you and for me. I love what Corrie Ten Boone said in uh, her book. She said, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And this day, which seemed from the outside to be the greatest triumph of evil, was in fact God's death blow and his glorious plan to redeem everything. And I want to finish with this thought. In my teens, I owned this guitar. It was beautiful. And I, uh, well, I thought it was. It's pretty good. Um, and I thought this guitar was going to take me from the four chord wonder that I was to Pete Dawson, guitar legend. The people would flock and see me solo and shred, be a little bit like Pete Treble, and people would be in awe of this, apart from I didn't practice and that didn't happen. Um, yeah, still doing my four chords, but that's enough. It's all good. Um, but then my friend Adam came around to my house and he said, Oh, can I have a go on your guitar? And I was like, Sure, Adam, you can have a go on my guitar. And so he came around and uh, and he just went to town on it. He, well, I made screech, he made sing, and I was like, oh my goodness. And in that moment, he owned my guitar. I mean, he seriously owned my guitar. And here's the thing, you can possess something and not own it. 
And in the same way, you can own something and not possess it. And Jesus said to us, in this life, you will have trouble. It's not an easy life. But then he said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And I don't know what season you find yourself in or what might come, but even in the lowest point, you know, when we said you are not alone, that has power, right? But Jesus comes right alongside us in the lowest points and says, I know how it feels. You are not alone. And even in that moment, he whispers the words, even shouts the words, it is finished. I want to say, although you might not have the victory right there in front of you, you might not be able to grasp it in your hands, you know, we can still own it. You might not possess it, but we can still own it because even in the darkest depths of suffering, Jesus says, it is finished. And we can choose to own that truth even though we don't possess it. And in the heartache and the abandonment and in the hurt and all of those moments, it's through what Jesus did on the cross that he's present with us. And he says, you are not alone. I know how it feels. And it is in this place that Jesus brings out of the old a new creation. He brings from death to life. And although it still feels like a Friday, Sunday's coming. And with it, we have resurrection and new life. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.